I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 253 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and welcome to our discussion on 1981 with my patrons. The idea came about from Jerry from Long Island, one of my patrons. He saw that we were doing these band discussions, and he said, hey, why don't we discuss years, important years in hard rock and metal? And... You know, I'd kicked the idea around for a while, and since I wanted to do nothing but patron-centered episodes towards the end of the year here, I figured, yeah, let's do it. And this became, I mean, it, it came out far better than what I would have thought it would have. You know, I, in my wildest dreams, I didn't think it would have been such a fun discussion. I didn't think that, you know, it would have been as disputed as things were. And uh, we had technical difficulties, so I did kind of, you know, weld everything together here. But the episode was a lot, a lot of fun. And I hope that comes across when listening to this. So if you hear this and want to join us for upcoming discussions, you need to be a patron. You can do that for as little as two bucks a month. We have a new patron this week. It is Mr. Ed Ferguson, who's jumping over uh, from Mark Striegel's Patreon, and I welcome him. I thank you for joining me here, and I want to give a quick shout-out to my patrons. Just mentioned Ed Ferguson, Johan, who will be featured um, predominantly in this episode, Johan Sweden. We have Metal Dan, Jerry from Long Island, who is joining us for the first time, Jose in Connecticut. Chris Vaglio from the Chris and Amanda show, the metal dentist, Gabriel Ruiz, Dr. Poison, Brad Dahl from Yarg Metal, our Mike Jones, who joins us for the first time as well, Jeremy Weltman, who will be on here with his patrons pick at about the six minute mark. And we missed him during the episode, but we all love him. Twisted Steve Hoker, the Hokenator. Hopefully he joins us tonight for today's discussion which will focus on the current state and future of hard rock and metal. Should be a lot of fun as well. That is going to go off today at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. in the UK. For those like myself, in Europe, 12 midnight between Friday and Saturday. And it will be a great discussion with all these guys. I don't know who will be joining me. But the premise behind this is talking about where we see hard rock and metal now and what band we feel can kind of pick up the torch and run with it in the future. So should be a lot of fun. Want to remind you that before I do that, I will do Fireside Friday where I will discuss some of the new releases and hard rock and metal news that are on Blabbermouth and other popular sites like that. that Happens an hour before, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. in the UK. If you have Fireside, you can join me. If you ask to come up on stage, I will have you 
share your thoughts with us. And if not, you can follow on Twitch, Facebook, or YouTube live. I have all three open. So if I see that you comment, I'll read your comments on the air. Uh, also, we have Trivia Tuesday. This coming Trivia Tuesday will focus on the band Motley Crue. Winners get a $5 discount to the Mars Attacks podcast merch store. And uh, this past week was Kiss. Came down to the wire once again. If you won before, I will provide you with a different discount code to the merch store. That happens exclusively on Twitch. The replays can be seen on YouTube. Uh, but if you want to be there live, you can answer right on your tablet, phone, computer, just by clicking on the correct answer. The quicker you answer, the more points you get. But if you answer incorrectly, the more points you lose as well. That's Tuesdays on Twitch, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. in the UK, 11 p.m. in Europe. And we have the Mars Attacks radio show, which I just released episode four, which pertains to 10 songs from this week's 1981 episode. Last week's live stream was what I was going to say, but it was kind of cool throwing this together because not only was it hard to pick a top 10, but how do you pick some of these songs? You know, because some of these albums were just so strong, it's difficult just to, just to have one song to pick. I mean, there are some that are clear-cut where I knew, all right, this is my favorite song by far off of it. So this is what I'm going with. But with others, yeah, it was kind of hard to juggle everything. So I did the best that I could. But go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Here's Jeremy Weltman with Patreon's Pick. Hi there. Yes, it's another patron's pick for this week. Um, just to say that this is going to be the last patron's pick before Christmas. The reason is fairly obvious that there is a slowdown in the amount of music that is released between now and the end of the year. In fact, probably until maybe February time when a lot of music starts to get released again. So there will be a bit of an extended break from uh, now until probably about mid-Jan. But I will do a patron's pick if something comes out of interest and there's something I really want you to hear and to know about and to put in front of Victor as well, who I'm sure will be interested. This week, there was a few really to choose from, but there were maybe three albums which I would like to mention. Um, a couple of them, really, that, that Victor himself has also reviewed on his website. There was the Volbeat album, which really surprised me because I've not been a fan of Volbeat, as uh, other fellow patrons will know. I've changed my opinion. I really quite like this album, and it's starting to grow on me, and I'm starting to think, you know what, I might go back and listen to some of the old Volbeat stuff. It just shows you that your opinions can change in music, that you should keep listening to bands because you never know some of the stuff they release you might not like, but then they suddenly release something that, that you do. And I really quite like this new album that they've just released. The other album that I want to mention was the Wolf Tooth album. Victor had interviewed them recently. I quite enjoyed that, but I wasn't overboard on it. The other album is the one by Manimal. In fact, this will be the first time ever that I've actually picked an album 
which Victor himself has also reviewed. Normally, I would try and avoid that. I try and look through all the list, try and pick out something a bit different for him to know about and hear about and also for you to hear. But this week, I couldn't help myself. The Manimal album is really good. I'm really enjoying it. As Victor himself has also pointed out, they often get a bit of criticism because they sound like other bands. I can certainly hear a lot of Judas Priest in there. I can hear the Queensryche um, sort of influence as well, which Victor mentions. I can hear Primal Fear, but uh, but then again, Primal Fear are sort of influenced by Priest in turn. So, you know, there are a lot of influences in there, but they're really good rock songs. And it follows on from an interview that, that Victor did in October with Samuel Newman of the band, which was a really interesting interview. And I suggest you go back and have a look for that on YouTube or, or other sources. So this week's pick of the week is the Manimal album, and I've just forgotten what it's called. Yes, it's called Armageddon. So pick of the week this week is Manimal with Armageddon. Jeremy, I feel your pain <laughs> every year around this time. It's hard to pick the new releases. And to be honest, when I was doing this for Mark Striegel, I usually called it quits around now because if you check out today's new releases post that I put up on MarsAttacksRadio.com, a lot of the stuff is gearing towards reissues and live albums and compilations, stuff that tends to be sold for the holidays. So I get what Jeremy's saying. This Manimal album, though, Armageddon, is just so damn good. It's easily going to be on my top 10 list of albums for the year. We're going to be talking about that with my patrons next week, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, tonight, we're going to do another special on the current state of hard rock and metal and the future what it has in store. But next week's live show will be really good because we're going to compare, you know, albums that have come out this year. And let's see who's up to the task to talk about this stuff. It should be a lot of fun. But yeah, this Manimal album is just great start to finish. It, it starts off with uh, Burn in Hell, which has a video up on YouTube, which really is like a painkiller, like Judas Priest vibe. And then the album just goes in different places. You know, it isn't just a one trick pony where you think, oh, well, you know, they've they've got this vibe down and they're going to continue with it. No, they, they go in a lot of different directions. So it is really cool album. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy our discussion on 1981. I thank you for listening to this episode, and I hope you enjoyed as much as I did recording. Welcome, one and all, to the December 3rd edition of the Signals from Mars live stream brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast. And tonight, for anyone that's been keeping score... Uh, we are having a 1981 discussion on the 
show with my patrons. Um, we have a well. We have Brad Dahl running back to the uh, the computer. Jeremy, you're in the black again. You're you're in the uh, Billy Squire <laughs> position now in the dark. Uh, seems to be yeah, it seems to be flashing. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Wait, did in the dark come out in '81? I think it did, didn't it? It, it could be. No. Let's see. We're good. We're gonna be talking about. Oh, it didn't. Okay. Okay, um, so we have, let's see, the man that uh, came up with the concept, Mr. Jerry from Long Island, joining us for the first time here. Hello, sir. What's uh, going on? We have Mike Jones, now the running gag hour, Mike Jones, since every member of Armored Saint seems to ask if it's Mike Jones from up in Massachusetts. <laughs> Could be, but uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> there you go. We have Johan... Uh, up in Sweden, he's joining us with some uh, cognac tonight. And uh, uh, sure, check Good evening, out everyone. And uh, we have Mr. Brad Dahl with some of his uh, well water. That is correct. Mm. Yes. So Jeremy, he is back and in the flesh. So the concept is, and now Jeremy's gone again. Weird. Um. <sighs> Anyway, let's try to power on through this. Jeremy, you can hear us, right? I can hear you, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we'll... Uh... <laughs> Wait, I, I have a feeling that, that this theme that he's got going has something to do with his uh, 1981 album. <laughs> I well, wish it did. No. <laughs> oh, no, no. That album didn't come out till 82. Okay. I'll try one more time. I'm going to go out and go, go in again. You, you carry on without me, and I'll try and get back in. Okay. So, 81... Obviously, 40 years ago, and obviously, if, if we look at the grand scheme of things, uh, let's, let's go around real quick here uh, with everyone. How important is this album to the overall evolution of, of hard rock and metal? Let's, uh, since since Jer Jerry came up with the concept, Jerry, what's your opinion? How important is this, uh, is this year for you in the whole evolution of this music that we love <laughs> oh Jerry's <laughs> frozen as well <laughs> uh, let's see oh okay johan are you there <laughs> johan looks to be frozen also should we should we go for another um armored saint uh, dropping like flies <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reference. reference. Okay, well, Mike Jones, I see right. you moving around. I am here. Okay, so, Mike, for you, how important do you think 81 is for the whole evolution of hard rock and metal? I mean, in my opinion, it's huge. It was, you know, kind of the, the dawn of the, the 80s sound you know coming out of the 70s losing some of the the old school dropping the uh you know the, the disco edge and really getting harder heavier faster and more aggressive this definitely led things down that road yeah that's that's a really interesting concept because getting back on armored saint um, in a documentary where Joey Vera appears, 
he talks about how important um, early Def Leppard was to them. And he talks about the fact that, you know, they weren't trying to copy Def Leppard, but that Def Leppard had a lot of things that they wanted, you know, um, to incorporate in what they were doing. So I find what you're saying to be really, really interesting because of that. You know, uh, could it have been a case where, you know, the new wave of British heavy metal was taking place? So were these bands trying to emulate, you know, in the States um, or even all over the world? Because we've got bands on this list that are from several different continents. Um, obviously, there were there were things that they were hearing that was making them get away from that disco sound and making them go to a, a harder edge, as, as you're saying. So, um, Jeremy, for you. In the UK, yeah. um, how important was 81 for you as, as music was evolving and moving along? Well, it was, it was extremely important. I mean, um, I see heavy metal as sort of like a fireworks show. I mean, I got a ticket to the fireworks show in 1980. Um, but like any good fireworks show, uh, you, you look up in the sky and the fireworks keep going off. And in right. 1981 uh, was when the, the greatest display was happening. Um, All right, guys, technical difficulties, but it looks like we're back. Let's hope we can stay on. Uh, if not, I will do what we can to um, to try and record this on, on our end. Uh, worst case scenario, there there is a back where I guess we could uh, record it if we go offline, at least the, the audio portion. But um, uh, I did make the round with all of you guys already, I believe, uh, talking about the importance of the year itself. So let's get into the actual list itself. And as we go, we'll, uh, we'll talk about these albums. And if I... If if I mention an album and you guys spoke of, or you guys um, picked it for your list, um, and I don't remember because I've got like multiple things going on here, just let me know. Oh, you've got your list in front of you. You got a cheat sheet. Okay, it's actually on my side. But yeah. Okay. Put it in front of me. <laughs> okay. Look, like YouTube is is working from what I'm being told. Um. See, I'm gonna just jump back in. It sounded like um, okay. So we ended up voting on 2020. All right, I need to focus here. 36 different albums. I asked everyone to submit their top 10 albums of 1981. And you guys sent me your top 10. All right. Jerry, can you hear us? All right. We can hear you, but we can't um, see you. The, the entire platform dropped out. And I mean, people weren't able to see us or anything. 
Um, real quickly, since Jerry's the only one that we didn't get his take on this, um, for you, what is the importance of 1981 in the grand scheme of things in the evolution of hard rock and metal? You're you're breaking up the entire time. Best year in hard rock of all time, I believe, is what I heard you say. Okay, cool. Um, for you, I mean, you sent me a list of various years. It was this. It was, I believe, '86 and something else. So, obviously, to you you feel that these are the most impactful years for the entire genre. In my life. Cool. I mean, obviously, um, we're, we're going to get into the actual list of albums now. It was hard. A lot of people said it was hard to actually um, whittle it down to 10. More than one of you guys sent me uh, honorable mentions and a, a bunch of different things, you know, or, or people had said, oh, you know, I can't pick. And I had to say, well, the order that you sent them in is going to be the 10. So if you want album X to be to get 10 points, then that's what I'm going with. But it's going to go 10 to one. So I took everyone's top 10. Number one got 10 points, and that worked its way down up until album number 10, which got one point. So we're going to do honorable mentions based on albums that didn't make the top 10. So if any of you wants to stop me along the way to add something about this album, please do so. But uh, here we go. So number 36 is Sticks. Paradise Theater. Number 35, The Rods by The Rods. Number 34, Rainbow, Difficult to Cure. Number 33, Metal Church, Red Skies. Number 32, Bob and Doug, Great White North. <laughs> I had that album. <laughs> Take off, you hoser. <laughs> yeah, you, you might hear that on Yard Metal here and there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, number 31, Rolling Stones, Tattoo You. Um, an album that um, that Jerry picked. And um, Jerry, I'm assuming you got that box that they just released? Cool. Okay. Um Let's see, number 30, Marauder by Blackfoot. Well, yeah, I picked that one. Yeah, okay. it's, it's brilliant. Great Southern rock music. Really like that. I mean, it's their, it's their best album as well, which is uh, another thing. So the di Diary of a Working Man on that album is, is fantastic. Cool. I'm going to buy that album, Jeremy. <laughs> there you go. Um, again, uh, making people's pockets feel lighter uh via the <laughs> patreon page by suggesting more music <laughs> number 29 april wine the nature of the beast number 28 zz top el loco 
27, Standing Hampton by Sammy Hagar. Wait 20- a second. That would have been on my list, but everything I read said it came out in 82. Did it really come out in 81? Yeah, that was on 81. Yeah, that one made my list as a, an honorable mention as well. Just a solid album. Good, my good list. Rocker by the Red Rocker. I love that album. Okay. Um, let's go. Uh, number twenty six, Breaker by Accept. Number twenty five. Stop! Night- stop! 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 Yes! 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 Uh, number twenty six, Breaker by Accept. Yes. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> that's hard. Uh, I, I sense disappointment, Johan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A bit, a bit at this point, but yeah. But yeah. okay, we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Jeremy is, is, is the t- <laughs> Johan's about to throw his gloves down, man. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna throw down here. Where's your hockey stick? <laughs> All right. Um number twenty-five is Night of the Demons by Demon. Oh, that's a good album. I forgot about that. There you go. Uh, number 24, Fire Down Under by Riot. Oh, yeah, another one. That's a, that's a great <laughs> album. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant album. Yeah, I think their uh, their album covers killed them, though, from a marketing standpoint with that right. steel thing that they put on every single album cover. It was awful, but the yeah. music was incredible. Right. Uh, number 23, Four by Foreigner. Number, yeah, number 22, one that made quite a few lists, but the thing was, it was lowered down the list. So just to give you guys an idea, this album only got eight points uh, overall, and that's Escape by Journey, which is a huge album. Yeah, my favorite AOR album, my favorite Journey album, and probably the best AOR album that's ever been released, ever. I mean, obviously, we've heard all these songs now so often, but when it first came out, it blew your mind. Brilliant album. Right. Yeah, Frontiers has tried to run with that blueprint for years now. Um, (laughs) Number 21, Renegade by Thin Lizzy. Number 20... Johan's gonna, Johan's gonna lose what? his mind. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is drop, the, this is drop a Swedish one. swear word. Fun. See fun. But. Victor, this is the overall list? This is the, this is the overall list, yes. <laughs> it made the list? Yeah. But uh, here's, <laughs> here's the thing. Johan, I, th- I think you're the that only one. That was my number two. Yeah. Or, or three. Uh, it was right. your three. I, th- yeah. I think you're the only one that voted for it. So that's why it, it got the eight points from being your number three, and it ended up at 21. Mm-hmm. So. And just to give you an example, I'll, I'll mention this at number 19, but uh, number 20 is Raven Rock Until You Drop 
Yes. And number, oh, there you go. Wow. Way to go, Jeremy. Jeremy's signed. It's signed as own. Oh, is it? Can't see it, but we'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, we were at number 19. Number 19 with 10 points is the self-titled debut by Kix, which was Metal Dan's number one. I've so never that, heard that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so that goes to show you that the album needs to be voted by several people in order for it to, to rank higher. Number yeah. eight. Go ahead. Which was uh, Midnight Dynamite. I no Midnight Dynamite is off of the album Midnight Dynamite. Yeah, which uh, album? Number um, album number one or two or do you know Kicks? Um, I'm not a big Kicks fan, so I don't know. Does anyone else know that answer? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go three. Okay. okay, that's my final answer because I okay. think Kicks for Kids or something like that isn't that their second album or I don't okay. Know. I, sorry, I, sorry I to, to interrupt. I, I no, need to ask. no problem. That's that's what we're here for, Johan. No problem at all. We have uh, okay. So Chris from Decibel Geek is confirming that it is their third album. Thank you. He's Chris. also saying that Renegade should be top ten easily. So he's uh, he's with Johan. Cool Kids was the second album. Okay. Oh, that's it. Cool Kids. I knew it had kids in it. Yeah. All right. So moving on here at number 18, The Elder by Kiss. Number 17, Fire of Unknown Origin, Blue Oyster Cult. No. <laughs> Johan, again, is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What is Lord wrong? Lord help us if moving pictures doesn't get in the top ten? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, comment from Chris from Decibel Geek. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can. <laughs> it was in my top ten, Johan. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, where was I? Okay, 16, UFO, The Wild. Yes. The Willing and The Innocent. One of their greatest albums, even though there was no Schenker. Absolutely brilliant album. All eight tracks. I think there's only eight tracks on it. Yeah, I think, I think it was their best, their best brilliant Tonka album. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Number 15, speaking of Mr. Oh, here we go. UFO. Speaking of uh, Mr. Shanker, he's peeking out from behind the curtain and blowing a kiss at us with the uh, debut MSG album. Oh, actually, it was the second album. Got that one as well. The, the second one. Okay. Oh, is it not that one? No, it's, it's this one. No, that one oh. came out in 80. No, that's 81. The other one's 82. What? So no, this no, no, man. Out. That came out. That came out the year I almost died, nineteen eighty. Because I remember sitting by the pool rehabbing, listening to that album. That was nineteen eighty. 
All right. This well. I was what there. Is, what, what does it say? It says 1980. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, so I remember when I almost die. It's been eliminated. All right. So, but let's see. Is the second Michael Shanker album from. Uh, it's 81. MSG album came out in 81. Okay. So I have the title correct. I had the wrong album in mind. How about that? Fair enough. Okay. So the second album uh, by uh, Michael Shanker is at 15. I've got to go and get that now. I, w- I wonder if he'd be happy to know that he beat out UFO in our little uh, poll here. Could <laughs> be. And if he beat out Scorpions, he'd be even more thrilled. And if I look at my list here, I think I actually, yeah, UF, I have oh. UFO rank one ahead of MSG. Okay. Uh, let's see. At 14, this was one of the surprises. It was voted on by more than one person. Joan Jett with I Love Rock and Roll at number 14. Number 13, Y&T Earthshaker. Oh, that was was my number two. (laughs) Wow. All right. Yeah, I had that one at number four. That is um, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I've been listening to that all week. Mm. I figured you were prepping with with some of these albums. So, and this is uh, from this point onwards, there are groups where albums are very close together. So, um, Y and T and this next album actually tied in points, but we're giving the uh, alphabetical advantage to this next act. From Canada, <laughs> trying to build suspense with Johan, it is triumph with the Allied forces at number twelve. Well, that was in my top ten, definitely. Um, yeah, it was quite high up. I mean, I can see Jerry's wear Jerry's wearing the shirt. I mean, let's yeah. see that shirt again. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, there there are several. What? <laughs> there are several people that voted for this album but it's the same thing a lot of them were closer to the bottom of their list 11 is going is Judas Priest point of entry Ooh, tough crowd yeah wow. <laughs> the top 10 better be damn good <laughs> top 10. We're getting into the top 10. So if you guys want to add something about each of these albums, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, number 10. Billy Squire, Don't Say No. Wow. That's a show. Stop. Billy Squire. Is he a... Uh... I don't know much about him. Is he a... Uh... Should I listen to him? No, you should just watch him dance. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd say if you are into you know the Sammy Hagar solo stuff, um, it, it's just some good straight up rock and roll kind of party music. Uh-huh. Definitely, uh, uh, you know the, the uh, 
heavy pop influence. It's, it's not the, the heaviest thing you're ever going to listen to on the planet, but uh, some real bangers there. Wow. Songs that get stuck in your head for weeks. What were some of the hits off of this, Mike? In the Dark. In the Dark. Um, um, yeah, the, the title track, Don't Say No, oh. made the rounds on radio. It's not Lo- What is it? Lonely is Night? Yeah, yeah, those are my two favorite ones up there. Wow, okay, thank you, thank you. And this, and this is why we do this so that people get turned on to stuff that maybe they hadn't heard before or revisit albums that they haven't checked out in some time. So, um, what's that, Jerry? Oh, cut out again. Um, let's see at number nine, tying on points with Billy Squire, but Alpha be ahead of him. ACDC for those about to rock. Mm. That of, of the, the, the albums that I picked, that is one of the few that I actually bought in 1981. I hopped on my bike, took a ride down to the uh, record store and came back with that sucker swinging in the breeze, threw it on. And uh, it's been one of my favorite albums ever since. Yeah, th- that's a great point because a lot of these albums, at least for me, um, I was, I didn't get into them at the time. You know, I was uh kiss all day, every day up until about 83 when quiet ride metal health came out. And then, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I started going back and listening to things. But uh, Jerry, I can assure you that 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 album is here. <laughs> oh, um, let's see. Um, number eight, Saxon Denim and Leather by one point over ACDC and uh, Billy Squire, actually. So. Uh, very, very close there. What, what's that? Anyone want, want to chime in about denim and leather? Yeah, well, obviously I will. I mean, it was very important for us in the UK. Uh, Saxon were just enormous at the time, and denim and leather just extended their, um, you know, the the what they were doing really, and and that particular song. Uh, it's just a you know it's just a song for for all of us um, metal and rock freaks. It's it's amazing. Okay. Cool. The other thing I would say is um, also I've got it on my Christmas list and I'm getting the spatter vinyl apparently. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> you know so, the the weird thing about that album, the uh, vinyl that I got in 1981. Uh, it's weird. A couple of the songs kind of sped up and slowed down during the song. And of course, that was corrected when I got the the CD. So I, something weird happened when they uh, did the vinyl on the on that one. I don't know if it was just mine. May, may have been. My, mine yeah. was okay. <laughs> yeah, time. I think Mid- Midnight Rider was really all over the place. It sounded like the bus was running out of gas. <laughs> they, they they weren't playing to a click track. They re-recorded it later. Uh, well, they did record re-record some of yeah. those songs later, but <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I yeah, that it's you know I love Saxon, 
Uh, for me, that's just the the production on it's just a little thin. Um, yeah, but I'd say yeah, that, yeah, I think that's the true of a lot of albums. That when you listen to a lot of old albums, you know, some of them are good, well produced, others aren't. But I think you know, if a song's good, a song's good, and and it's great to hear when they get sort of reproduced, um, you know, later on. But you know, that's the way it is sometimes. So some of the old albums sound a bit sound a bit rough around the edges. But one of my favorite Saxon songs, Never Surrenders, on that album. Mm. So I think, I think on our, uh, the U.S. version, it was a number two track. All right. So just to give you guys an idea, that Saxon album totaled 21 points at number seven with 36 points. So there's a big jump. Is Rush with Moving Pictures. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think uh, Johan wants to talk about this album. Uh, this is uh, well, um, obviously wrong, of course, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you it's an I, I <laughs> It's a well, let, let's let's say let's, let's, tell us the importance of this album to you it was obviously your number one give us yeah. why this album was was your number one mm -hmm. yes uh, the, obviously i'm too young to uh to experience the album when it was released but uh it was uh it, it it's like a perfect uh of the time when this album was released, it's it sounds like it's not metal, but it's like this is the soundtrack of 1981 or 80 or 82. It's uh, it's kind of like the perfect album. I mean, if you listen to a song like Red Barchetta, oh, it's great. it's uh, yeah, it's uh. If you close your eyes and just listen to the music and the lyrics, it's just like a, it's like a fairy tale. It's a, I mean, the, and songs like Tom Sawyer, Limelight, it's a masterpiece. So what I'm saying is that you are wrong, all of you. You've got vital signs. <laughs> yeah. So you, you are wrong. But to, uh, you need to. It's a. It's kind of like the perfect rock album, um, uh, and you know it. It's not the, the the reason that it's so good. It's because it's not so obvious, and when you listen to it like ten, fifteen times, it's a perfect album. So, I mean, compared to Diary of a Madman or whatever those are simple albums but this is this is perfect this is perfection uh, and i i understand and i'm sorry for you but <laughs> this is yeah uh, that's what i have to say so i rest my case and uh okay i i can't disagree with you johan but i also have to say something about jose's comment there uh in the pharmacy world pr means per rectum Okay. <laughs> In his world, I'm hoping that's not the first album you put up your butt. 
No, PR is is Puerto Rico. Um, okay. Jose grew up in in, in Puerto Rico, so. Um, so that was number one. What's uh, what's number two and three? I'll I'll say this for people in the US I think this is probably the obviously the Rush album that got played the most so Tom Sawyer Limelight Red Barrichetta or Red Barrichetta still played YYZ YYZ still played every single day on the radio so I would think that for a lot of people in the States Maybe there's burnout from hearing it so much that yep. it isn't ranked as high for for people. But I remember when this came out, I had a cousin that had this album, and he was telling me, "Rush is the greatest band of all time. You just you have to listen to this. Just listen to Tom Sawyer. It's the greatest song ever written." So, you know, a, a lot of people at the time really enjoyed it. So, uh, jumping up, here's another group of albums that are. Separated just by a few points. So with 42 points at number six is Motley Crue with Too Fast for Love. Any Anyone want to comment on Too Fast for Love? <laughs> Nobody. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, definitely, it's definitely not better than the Rush album. I think it was an important album. Um, you know, in the landscape of music, but uh, yeah, I mean, if we're gonna measure album per album, um, yeah, you can't can't compare it. I I think I think or not I think w- with the list, the thing is, the Motley Crue album was voted higher on more lists than the Rush album was, where the the Rush album uh, tended to slot like between the fourth, fifth and down whereas motley crew yeah. tended to be within people's top three that's that's the only reason why it beat it out but for example the next album beat motley crew by one point and that's Def leopards high and dry mm. that's a great album so i think that's the best Def leopard album they've made yeah i, I agree. agree because afterwards Def leopard turned away from heavy rock I mean, they weren't a heavy rock band after that. They were a pop, pop rock band, and they have been since. But but High and Dry is a proper rock album. There it is. Yep. Now, is is that the original without me and my wine and uh, the remix of bringing on bringing on a heartbreak? This is a recent re-release of the okay. vinyl, which I've purchased. I've also got the CD. Um, and I did have the original at some point, and I now can't find it amongst my collection, so I, I repurchased it. But okay. whatever, it's still one of the greatest albums that Britain has ever produced. I, I can't dispute that. It's my favorite by them, and I play all the time. And the, obviously the mark of a good album is that you still play it today, and yeah. I do. You know, probably you do too. Yeah. Well, I have to, um, all the things you said about uh, High and Rye, I agree to Pyromania. Okay. Oh, okay. I think that's... Pyromania uh, is a good album. Yeah. It's a good album, yeah. For for me, that's the, that's 
one of the most perfect album ever made. Yeah, uh, the, the the first three, the first three Def Leppard albums to me are by far like miles ahead of everything that came after. I know that there are a lot of people that love Hysteria because of yeah. how big it was and, and whatnot, but for hard rock fans, I mean, those first two albums were as heavy as they were going to get. Pyromania had, you know, more of a pop edge to it. But some of those deeper cuts, you know, Die Hard the Hunter, Stage Fright, Billy's Got a Gun. Um, these are great tracks that, you know, if you didn't have the over-the-top production that Mutt Lang put to them, I think people would would see it in the same light as uh, high and dry from a hard rock standpoint. Um, but it, it got them over the top. I mean, photograph fooling rock, rock till you drop rock of ages. I mean, all these songs are still on the radio today. Mm. So, uh, an amazing band. And as, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, before, I don't know if it was when we got cut off or whatnot. There's, um, an interview that Joey Vera did for a documentary where he said, Armored Saint were listening to early Def Leppard and a lot of the bands out of Britain and it was influencing them. You know, it wasn't only Maiden and Priest, you know, Def Leppard had those first two albums had a lot to do with what Saint sound became. So, um, with 45 points, Def Leppard had 43 is Van Halen's fair warning. See, Jerry. What's that, Jerry? It, it keeps cutting. Uh, the two of you have it. All right. So there you go. Both Jeremy and Jerry have uh, have have fair warning. For me, this was this was my intro to Van Halen. My brother had this on cassette, and. It was the first thing that we had in our household by the band. Then, um, then I went back with, uh, with the band. So I, I still play this all the time. Again, I know that a lot of people love the hits off of this. I, I posted the video for Unchained from the Santa Monica Civic Center, I believe, um, which used to get played on MTV all the time. Uh, but I mean, for me, a track like 30 movies, um, other like deeper cuts off of it, just are tracks that have blown my mind since day one. And I still love them today. No, number three. Now here's, here's another jump. And Johan, this for me is practically a perfect album. I will say side two of this is a perfect album side. This album scored 56 points and kept flip-flopping with two other albums for the for the one and two spot. And then today it uh it was apparent who number one was gonna be, but number three with 56 points. Iron Maiden Killers. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. Killers to me is one of my favorite Maiden albums. To me, Killer, Seventh Son, and Power Slave are probably my my top three. But um, uh, we're seeing that it, it 
wasn't for you guys was this an important album was it not i know jeremy this didn't even make your top 10 no um yeah you're right and and it's strange but i didn't really like the first two albums by maiden um you know i liked i liked maiden coming through and i liked running free and i liked um you know uh, charlotte the harlot and those sort of songs but to me this wasn't the maiden that i wanted to hear i wanted to hear the bruce maiden that came through a year later um so yeah it wasn't really in my top 10 and it's not an album i play i mean i played it this week just to have a listen to it I didn't really like it very much. I'll be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I play side two all the time. Brad? Yep. Yeah, I gave this, this album was number one on my list. Just mostly, well, I still play it, but because it just changed, I felt like it just changed the whole landscape of heavy metal and hard rock when that, when that album hit. I mean, the first album didn't make a dent in the U.S. This is the first one that we really heard over here. And I mean, I, I've, I've told the stories how I tried to play bass along with it and I couldn't even make it through one whole song without taking a break. It was just killing me, man. I'm like, this, this is just, uh, just relentless and great. I mean, great songs. I mean, the, the, they go all over the place. It's not like now where you feel like, you know, the songs kind of sound the same on a maiden album. Uh, back then they didn't. Okay. I mean, there was just so, so much variety on that album. And but yet it was all undeniably uh, maiden, and and the the world was changing as far as music at that point. All right, number number two, beating out Maiden by one point. Mob Rules by Black Sabbath. Oh, it wasn't number one. No. <laughs> it was I'm I'm telling you it was flip-flopping between between Mob Rules Killers and what's what's number 1. This is one of the greatest albums ever made. I agree. I mean, I mean Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. What self-respecting heavy metal or rock band doesn't <laughs> have those in his collection, his or her collection? <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, it has the best heavy metal song on it that's ever been made, falling <laughs> off the edge of the world. It is no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at that listing and tell me that isn't the number one album. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, no. we'll, we'll get to uh, number one in a second. Yep. Yeah. The, the the problem is um number one, I mean I do have a drum roll here. <laughs> Very low. Number one by a lot. The number one album got seventy-five points. Just to give you an idea, mob rules got fifty-seven. There's almost a 20-point difference. Um, Jerry, you held it up before. <laughs> it is uh, Diary of a Madman by Ozzy. So um, let's see. Jerry, what, 
You held it up before, in in your opinion, obviously a, a big deal, uh, an important album. Number two for me. Okay. Um, in your opinion, this What's album. my first pick? Yeah, let's let's see here. Um, Jerry had fair warning at, at number one. Okay. Um, in your opinion, coming in from Blizzard, into diary um how how i mean how big of a deal was this album to you because obviously the introduction of randy rhodes with blizzard and then randy just furthering what he could do with tracks like the title track and just taking things in other places that they didn't go with that first album um how big of a deal was that for you personally as a listener tremendous if you listen to diary of a madman on 11 you could lose a filling. <laughs> it's um, that fucking good. You Gabriel can't kill rock and roll. Flying high again. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're insane. Yep. Absolutely. And and I don't know what the and hell's I going on. with Diary of a Madman on 11, by the way. <laughs> there you go. Um, for some reason, I, I didn't bring you up to the uh to the larger screen here because keeping the small screen on you gives us your your audio without cutting out so there's something screwy going on with this platform tonight so i apologize um yeah any anyone else want to chime in about diary of a madman yeah hang yourself yet (laughs) god no but you know, no, he's gonna hang know, us. No, no, but y- you know, you know, you all know that you're wrong. <laughs> you all know. I, well, it's, I'm it's sorry, my, my vote for Canada is in 1981. <laughs> yeah, but the storm you back to that time. So I can't, I can't. was number one uh, i'm so sorry Yari, i can't hear you yeah it, it keeps it keeps cutting out now um so he was saying that you know he cast his votes based on you know what he was listening to at the time and that's why he he put van halen at number one jerry did vote uh moving pictures at number four so he's one of them that was there with you that felt that the album deserved to be in the top 10 albums. And Yo- Johan, you didn't yeah. Come on, bro. Now, I, I could mention every song in that album, but I, I wonder which album you sold the most. Which album sold the most? Out of, out of all of these, out of all 36 albums that were listed, yeah. I, I think... Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would, I would have to say it was probably Chris, Chris Chris will probably Surely. that. Journey, I mean, the Journey was a big seller. Yeah. The Foreigner was a big seller. The the Stones yeah. Tattoo U was a huge seller as well. Sticks Paradise Theater was a huge seller. Um, but the biggest, the biggest, I mean, uh, the biggest. You, you have Journey. You have to think of. Um, I, you had it had to be moving pictures. 
Out of out of you, the top ten, Johan, Johan, you're missing something. The chicks all bought the stones and journey. <laughs> okay, okay, I, you know the chicks were not buying journey pictures. I no, I got news for you, pal. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's true. But you know, uh, journey as journey has never ever been big in Europe, ever. So Journey is a new band for us. Yeah, it, it's not that, that's, in Europe. It, <laughs> we have well, they, have, they have chicks in Europe. We, we have chicks in Europe, so don't worry. <laughs> the, the the funny thing the funny thing about that is I saw Journey sandwiched between I I, I think it was um, Dream Theater and Gojira at a festival. And to to their credit, they were smart enough that they didn't play any ballads. They just came out and played, you know, a bunch of the hits. And then they played like stuff that was on the heavier side. And I guess during that show, they kind of gave Dean Castronovo carte blanche to, you know, do whatever he wanted because, I mean, he was an old Shrapnel Records drummer. He was like the house drummer for, for Shrapnel for a bunch of years. Um so so that was cool to see them. At least they were rolling with the punches, realizing that they were kind of sticking out as a Victor. sore thumb. Yeah. Journey Captured live album came out in 81. That is a great record. Fuck Escape. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, was Was anyone... Outside of Johan, surprised with, uh, <laughs> with with what ended up as number one. Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> you you uh, thought it would surprised. be Mob Rules, Jeremy? Yeah, I thought Mob Rules would easily win it. And I'd forgotten about Diary of a Madman. It's strange, really, because I think in America and in the UK, we've had a, a little bit of a different perception of what was going on at the time. And I right. think that the Aussie album probably went over in, in the States better than it did in the UK. It did well in the UK, but I think Black Sabbath then were at the height of the game and we were really appreciating Dio, obviously being Rainbow. Then he, he came into Black Sabbath. Um, and that Black Sabbath uh, lineup at the time was was really blowing us away then, and I think it still is. Uh, so I, I was a bit surprised, yeah, that Ozzy, um, that Ozzy took it. Um, I'm also surprised that a few that haven't made the top 30 odd that you, you've mentioned that we might get around to mentioning one or two that we haven't even mentioned at all yet. Yeah, let, let's just do one round here talking about what is here and then let's talk about some of the other ones that, that aren't. There's one there. Oh, the White Snake. Yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the rude cover. <laughs> Mike, you voted for Mob Rules as well. As your number I, one. I did, yes. I mean, it's an absolute perfect album. Like, uh, honestly, though, of, of this list, there's probably 25 Desert Island albums for me <laughs> from, from this year alone. There's just so many of them are so ingrained, so part of my growing up and my musical experience that, you know, it, it, it's every one of them, I have to sit down and listen to the album in order or it doesn't sound right to me. I, you know, right. one song comes on, it's like, oh, you know, this song has to be next because that's the way it was. You know, you, you popped it in mm -hmm. the cassette deck in your car, 
it flipped over halfway through and you, you got them all in order. And I mean, yeah, that that was uh, Mob Rules was actually, you know, Heaven and Hell Mob Rules, Live Evil, that whole streak was just an incredible time for Sabbath. The recovering from, you know, losing Ozzy and moving on to the, the next stage in their career was absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, let's let's see. Um, Brad, you had Killers, which you mentioned before. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is the. Uh, I mean, uh, my criteria wasn't what I thought was like you know sit, sitting back as as not make taking it personal and saying what was the best album. It was the album that I listened to the most and the album that hit me the hardest. And it was very difficult to rank them. But that's how, that's how I chose those ten, 10 albums is based on what I listened to. Yeah. Um, all, I, I think all these albums people have mentioned uh, are fantastic albums. And I, I love the passion that everybody has. That is, that's fantastic, man, because that's, that's what music's all about. And if you don't, again, you know, you've heard me say it more than once. If, if you don't care about it, then why, what's the point? What's the point of getting out of bed tomorrow if you don't care about any of this stuff? Hmm. Yeah, there's, let's see, you also voted number two was Blue Oyster Cult, Fire of Unknown Origin. Yeah, and the reason there is because, I mean, growing up, they were my favorite band, and I thought that album kind of brought them back. Uh, They kind of, you know, the the previous albums were kind of good, but not great. And I thought this album actually is great. And I listened to the hell out of it. Although, you know, there's probably a couple of songs on there I could do without. So... For for Johan, it was on the opposite end of the spectrum. It was his number nine. Uh, but you still in, enjoy the album, obviously, if you're ranking it in your ten. Oh, it's a masterpiece, uh, absolutely. Uh, a late one for me. I I, I heard it for, as a I really listened to it a couple of years ago, uh, uh, and um, this is a song called. Uh, Oh, I can't remember. But the, what what's the name of the last song, Brad? Oh, um, um don't turn your back. Isn't that no, it? No, it's a girl. It's a girl's name. Oh, Joan Crawford. That's not the yeah. last song on there. No, isn't it? There's one after that. It's don't turn your back, isn't it? Come on, help me out, Chris. Chris Joan is Crawford. Our fact I mean, it's that album is uh, it's that's a great album. Really, it it must have been. I agree. So, Wait, did, uh, who produced that? Did Martin Birch produce that? Because I'm yeah. thinking he's all over our top ten. Yeah. Because I didn't he do Mob Rules. He did Mob Rules and he did Killers. Yep. He did yeah. Killers. He did uh, the Bullister Cold album. He did the Rush album, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no. We have good production on the Rush albums. So, mm. Rush, is, Rush is sacred, you know. It, it, we need to do a, a whole episode of Rush. It's beyond the this list. You, you we, can understand we, that. It's got to happen. It has to happen. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. we, when we vote for the uh, band to talk about next time around, I'll I'll include Rush. If people vote for Rush, then 
we'll I'll, talk about them. I'll I'll get my uh, Utah approved non alcohol uh, cognac ready. <laughs> yeah. So so it was produced by Martin Birch, and the last track is "Don't Turn Your Back." Thank you. I love that song, brother. It's a great closing song. It's just got such a cool vibe to it. It just kind of slides out. The great, yes. Again, number two. I'm going to go number two again. <laughs> let's let's talk about some of the albums that didn't make it, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, well, one that I want to mention, which I don't suppose many people actually really like very much, but it, it hit me at the time was "Future Shot" by Gillen. Um, this was a real. Um, it, well, when you listen to it now, the, the production doesn't sound fantastic, but I think there's really good songs on it, and I think he really does something different on the album. I remember at the time there was, um, I think it was either Kerrang or Sounds Magazine gave it a five star review, and I bought it based on that. And it had a really good, um, really good sort of gatefold sleeve to the album as well. And I, yeah, I really like it. I think there's some good songs on it, and I do play it. Um, the other two that I would mention, the one up there that you can see, the White Snake album. I mean, you know, a lot of the White Snake albums you would have in your top thirty or forty of the year, uh, it just didn't make the top ten. Um, but it's there's some cracking songs on there. It's a good rock and roll album. And the other, one, the final one I mentioned would be the Tigers of Pantang Spellbound, which was an, another good album. John Deverell was singing on it. Um, I think it's one of their better albums. See, Jeremy, none of those three albums could you find here in a music store in the right. U.S. The, they didn't make it over here. So yeah, yeah. I, I can't yeah. deny that there, there's good music on those albums. I, I, I'm definitely buying uh, one of those albums you just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's what I was actually going to say. The Ian Gillen stuff was either not sold in the U.S. or just didn't make it over just wasn't big enough because you know as far as uh, for me as a kid um everyone white snake included nothing deep purple related took place until perfect strangers so everything before perfect strangers and like between that and machine head maybe because i was just too small and you know i didn't hear about that stuff but mm. There was like nothing. You didn't see Deep Purple in the stores. You did, but you had to search for it. Like it wasn't out. Like you didn't see Gillen or Whitesnake or stuff like that out on the uh, shelves, you know? So yeah. that's why people ultimately didn't vote for it. A lot of these albums, I mean, if you look at it, were super popular at the time. You know, th these were albums that um were were on the radio all the time uh, i'm 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 looking at for example uh mark sent me a list and his stuff i mean he's someone who's always been like uber hits you know he's he's not a, a big fan of the deeper cuts but i mean he's got billy squire on here he's got sammy hagar on here he's got april wine he's got sticks so these were all albums that were commercially big at the time, but maybe, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, weren't, weren't as important in the long run because, you know, similar to what Jerry was saying, um, it's completely different to what was happening at the time as opposed to looking at stuff, you know, in hindsight, because obviously 
you know, uh, Gillen for you in the UK maybe is like Billy Squire for us that came out of the States, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Billy Squire really did not resonate very much over in the UK and neither did, um, uh, who else did you just mention then apart from Billy Squire? April Wine. April Wine. Yeah, April Wine. That was the other one. I mean, we'd heard of these bands and we'd heard of maybe the odd track, but they really didn't, um, you know, they, they didn't get any airplay, very little radio play. Um, whereas Gillen would be on TV. You know, we'd see Gillen yeah. on primetime TV. Yeah. See, that's that's that, that's a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, for me, you know, Gillen, I don't think really hit my radar until Born Again. And then I kind of went backwards with him from there, you know, digging right. up in the, the magazines and, and all that. And uh, know, about 10 years back, I picked up a, a box set of all – it was the the six Gillen solo albums plus a couple of live albums, and uh, it's it is amazing stuff. And I'm listening to mm. it like, why didn't this get airplay in the states? You know, just yeah. marketing, if nothing else. Yeah, and and that's that's a great point. I completely forgot about Born Again, and that was something that I mean, we played the song Trashed to death in our house. So I mean, I was very conscious of that. But following year, Perfect Strangers comes out, if I'm not mistaken. So that's one of eclipsed it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and, and Jeremy, Jeremy, you have no idea how hard it was to find a Saxon album over here back then. Really? I mean, strong, yeah. strong arm of the law. It didn't even exist until after denim and leather. And yeah. I thought, yeah, when I went and saw them in 81, 82, I think it was the first time I saw them at the uh, whiskey and they started playing stuff off a of strong arm of the law. I thought that was a, a new album that was coming out. I had no idea that album existed. Yeah, because they, they released two albums in one year, which was absolutely unheard of now. But, you know, in 1980, they released two albums in one year. I mean, that's yeah. crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brad, did you happen to see Saxon um, in, in a broom closet somewhere in uh, Agora Hills or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, let's see. Um, no, just the, the whiskey was the smallest place. Well, let me think about that. I know, yeah. I, know my, I know CEO Dave saw them at this really just tiny, tiny club in Pomona, California. It was during the um, Destiny album tour, and they weren't getting any traction around here at all. And uh, he said there were like maybe 20 people there, and he stood right up in front of the stage. And uh, I said it was a great show. So. I don't know if you know, but they used to be called Son of a Bitch. And I had a friend yep. of mine who, who saw them as that uh, Son of a Bitch moniker in, in Yorkshire. And, the, and there was a handful of people there. Uh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, I, did, I didn't get, I didn't hear Saxon until I heard the song Crusader. And that was vacationing over here in Spain and a friend played for me. You know, then years later, Eddie Trunk would start to play um you know uh dallas 3 p.m or whatever the name of the song is and uh denim and leather and and stuff like that but before eddie i didn't hear it anywhere you know 1 p.m 1 p.m my bad <laughs> see that's, that's all right that's right you know actually it was on the well i guess it wasn't it was a uh, 2 p.m on the east coast when it happened there you go <laughs> Yeah, I, I know it was Kennedy assassination, but I got the time wrong. My bad. Three p.m. Three p.m. in Puerto Rico. I don't, I don't know what time's in there. And um, 
What? A, uh, let's see. Any other albums that uh, didn't make it that that you guys want to bring up? Exit Stage uh, Left is a great live album. <laughs> just for uh, just know, for the that... record, <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah. Did you? You're happen, right. You're did right. you happen to catch Jerry wearing the Blue Rush T-shirt? No. Gary, I, I miss that. I, I love the Van Halen shirt. Oh, there it is. Yeah, is, is that Caressive Steel? Van Halen keg party. Where were you guys? <laughs> there you I'm go. Start, I'm starting to realize why Jerry roots for the Bruins. Keg parties. <laughs> Johan, keggers. Yeah. Keg parties. Do you, Do you have, have those, Sweden? Keg parties. Cognac no. Parties. Yeah. A, 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 a bunch of chicks, a bunch of kegs, and some Van Halen. No. <laughs> no. No. No rush. No. 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 We didn't. No. But we had uh, a vodka. We, we, and, uh, if we would have put Rush on, all those would have left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I played at a lot of those parties, Jerry. It would have been a. <laughs> so you, you has, uh, what is it? Snowing behind you? Yeah. 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 We're, all all of our rain is your snow. <laughs> we have a lot of we have a lot of snow now. Yeah. yeah. Another yeah. rush here. See that? See so so you you can't deny that Jerry is also a. Uh, yeah, connoisseur of fine things, uh, of all things, rush as well. That's great, Jerry. I can't hear you when you speak. It's just uh... yeah, it, it it cuts out a lot. Yeah, and yeah. Something isn't working right with restream tonight. I don't know what it is, but they they it, reset everything. People heal. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, cool. So, uh, this is kind of the the wrapping up of the 1981 discussion i want to thank all of you guys for taking part in the episode i want to thank all you guys for submitting your lists and uh we will be doing something similar in the next few months uh i think that uh 1986 may be a a good year to touch upon Ooh. and um and if you want to be part of 82 83 84 we can do that. I, I, I like Jerry's idea. Let's there go with go. that. Man. Let's yeah. march. Let's march forward through the eighties. Jerry, yeah. you're brilliant. Number one, it's done. <laughs> now wait I a second. I'm pretty sure there's a rush. Right album there. Too, right? uh, signals came out eighty two. So yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> we can speak about that. Yeah, and and by the time we'll do it, it'll be 2022, so it'll be the 40th anniversary of all of those albums as well. So that that'll make sense. So there you uh, go. You, you've you've taken the brain work out of this uh, for me, Jerry. So in in a few months, if if you want to join this discussion, you need to be a patron. You can do it for as little as two bucks a month. There was uh, someone on another Patreon page who wanted to uh, guest. 
And uh, Jerry's exact words was tell him to pound sand. So uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, be involved, it's two bucks. It's not no no one no one's um, uh, going for for two bucks. So yeah. And um, and you've got this great community that we talk about music. We all love our hard rock and metal. Uh, we pick songs for a playlist. We have the album of the week. We talk about what we're all checking out that week, what we're watching. There's a lot of great stuff. It's a troll-free environment. The cool thing is, as much as we love our bands, love our music, we still have fun with these discussions. And it's always a pleasure to speak to you guys. I always say this during the uh, episodes, during the podcast, and I mean it. I appreciate all of your support, and I appreciate the fact that you guys choose to spend your Friday with me to talk about all this great music. There's a million other things you guys could do, but we're here all on Signals from Mars tonight. So thanks to all of you guys uh, for making this happen. And uh, thank you, Jerry, for coming up with this idea. And um, next week, uh, we're going to be talking about it's still we're still going to have the patrons on for the next two weeks before taking the uh, holiday break. Next week, we're going to be talking about the state of hard rock and metal, where you guys think it's going. Is it safe? Is it not safe? Where it needs to be? So on and so forth. And then the last show of 2021 will be our top picks of 2021. So. If you want to be a part of either one of them, be a patron or go pound sand. There you go. <laughs> so, anyway, thank you guys. Thanks everyone who joined us tonight. And uh, on that note, we will leave you with our outro video. And thank you guys for watching. So, see you. We'll see you next time right here on the Signals from Mars live stream. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 